Good day, good day, and thank you for tuning in to the Century Leadership Podcast. We are a culture of resources and relationships for spiritual leaders. My name is Jordan Matthew Ward, and I am your host. And today we have a very special treat for you guys. This is the message that Kent Engel shared at the Century Leadership Conference in April of 2017. Dr. Engel has spent 15 years in pastoral leadership. He has also served as the Dean of the College of Ministry at Northwest University in Kirkland, Washington, and he currently serves as the 15th president of Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. If this is your first time tuning in with us today, you may be asking yourself, what is Century Leadership all about? Century Leadership was born in 2013 with a simple but very bold vision, build leaders for the next 100 years. We do this by creating a culture of resources and relationships that encourage and equip spiritual leaders to lead courageously. A Century Leader is committed to grow, a Century Leader is committed to create, and a Century Leader is committed to invest. As you listen to this message, it is very evident that Dr. Engel is a very passionate and dynamic speaker who has a really big heart for leadership. Something that he said in this message that really stuck out to me was, quote, you matter to God, and what matters even more is the stewardship of your life. It's all about making sure that you're posturing yourself and understanding your significance and how God wants to use you for right now in this time. He really emphasizes the use of frameworks in this message. And one of the things that I really appreciated about his teaching was his ability to take a very profound spiritual truth and to break it down into very, very practical ways of applying that to our lives on a daily basis. And so with that, let's go ahead and jump into the message and see what he has to say. given I tell you he's given me a strong word today put it on my heart and mind as I was preparing for this to talk about right now what I believe is important in all of our lives is having this understanding this dimension of what it means to really be a good steward of our lives to be a good steward of the call that God has placed upon our lives. I think we can all uh, say with, with a strong sense of discernment and a strong sense of awareness that God is up to something in this world, amen? God is up to something. And you can sense it. When you sense what's going on in this nation and what's going on in this world, you look at the conflicts, you look at the hatred, you look at the strife, You basically you see brokenness in our world. And I tell you what, this is the time when, when you see things like, this is the time that God wants to make himself strong. His love, his mercy, his grace, for God so loved. Now is the time. But here's the key. What God is up to involves you. What God is up to involves you. You are a part of his vital plans. We know that God has a plan for your life and he wants to use you in a way that will make a difference in this world for such a time as this. And what God wants to do through the power of the Holy Spirit absolutely resides in the stewardship of your life. 
and more importantly, in the stewardship of your calling. I love what Frederick Buechner says. He says, the place that God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet together. In other words, when we are doing what God has called us to become and to do, we will be at our best. We will be satisfied. We will be fulfilled in glorifying God in the way he made us and designed us. You're a part of what he wants to accomplish in our lives. And here's the thing, and I want to encourage you this. Every day that you wake up, every day that you're ready to hit the day, you need to wake up with this realization that, listen to this, your DNA was crafted by God. Think about that. Every cell of your being has the imprint of the master creator and the master designer. And how do we know that? Psalm 139 tells us that he intimately put every single one of us together in our mother's womb, knitting us together, sculpting us from nothing to something amazing. How amazing Ephesians 2.10, you are a masterpiece. And what is a masterpiece? A masterpiece is something unique, something special, something complex, something beautiful that is designed. A masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. You want to know who you are? It starts by knowing Christ. It starts by your relationship with him and the depths that you plunge into that relationship. In fact, if you look over a chapter before Ephesians 1, you look at verses 11 and 12, and what does that tell us? It says that in Christ, we find out who we are. We find out what our purpose is. We find out how he wants to use us. I love Colossians Chapter 1, verse 16 says, Everything, absolutely everything, gets started in Christ and finds its purpose in Him. So, a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which tells us it is specific, it is a design plan, it is an intentional plan for every single one of your lives, which He planned long ago. How long ago? Just go right back to Psalm 139. Before you took your first breath, God had already begun planning every stage of your life before you lived one day. Bottom line, you matter to God. And what matters even more is the stewardship of your life. It's all about making sure that you are posturing yourself in understanding your significance and how God wants to use you for right now in this time, in this culture, in the world that he wants to make a difference for the glory of God. When you think about Jesus, he taught about stewardship a lot. Two, two particular stories that he emphasized that, that I want to encourage you with today. Matthew chapter 25, of course, the, the parable of the talents. And in that particular story, he's talking about the stewardship of his generosity when he gives gifts and talents. And then the importance of using those and investing them and growing those gifts. And the one who seeks to improve, the one who seeks to grow, the one who is an intentional steward, what happens when they do multiply what God's given? What does he do? He rewards them richly, but even more so gives more, gives more for you. But the one who is not a good steward, what happens? He takes away. 
he strips away. Another, another stewardship story, just a few, few chapters earlier, Matthew chapter 20, talks about the, 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 the parable of the vineyard and what he's talking about there. Again, it's a stewardship story, but what he's talking about there is our work and the effort that we put in our calling with the gift of life that he's given to us. And in that particular story, Jesus is emphasizing there, we will get out of life what we settle for in our stewardship. That's why it's important that we must every day of our lives value what God has done in us and through us. We have to value ourselves, our gifts, our talents, our worth, our our missional context of who God has called us to become and what he's called us to do. For if we are going to be great stewards, then we will become great leaders. And for us to discover and to continue to develop dreams and passions and gifts that he's putting on our hearts and our minds, we have to always break through to new levels. We have to break through into other seasons of growth. We have to break through into new ways of innovation and maturity. God never intends for you to stay where you are. He's constantly calling us to grow forward, to become stronger, to become more mature. God never intends for us to stay in a life that is stagnant or plateaus, but we are always to be growing. It's a journey that is constantly marked by you growing in your faith, by you stewarding your gifts, by taking time to serve the way God has called you to serve. So in the few minutes that we have together and the time that we have left, I want to encourage you with a framework, a framework that I hope will help you to break through to new levels of living, but new levels of leadership in the way that God wants to use you, the context that God calls you. I can tell you this is a framework. And by the way, frameworks are simply systems of stewardship. Systems of stewardship that help you to know exactly what God is doing in your life. And this framework that I want to share with you, this is a framework I've applied to my life throughout my life. It's helped me to get to new levels. This is a framework we actually teach every student that God sends our way at Southeastern University. But we call it a breakthrough framework. So let me share with you three, three pieces to this framework that will hopefully help you to become a great steward of what God wants to do with your life. The first piece to it is simply this. To break through to a new level, we have to elevate our personal discipline awareness. This is all about life management And really, life management is all about time management. And the two critical elements that help you to to be visually aware of how to develop personal discipline is self-awareness and self-management. And these two issues will help you to know exactly what God is doing in your life. And these two disciplines, I mean, these challenges are absolute disciplines. If you're going to reach your potential, if you're going to go to a new level in your life and in your leadership, you have to be disciplined in your life. All the desires you have, all the dreams you have, all the passions that God gives you without discipline is an absolute waste of time. 
You see, discipline takes our dreams, takes our passions, and then begins to turn them, by the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to turn them into everyday reality. In fact, I've always believed that discipline is the bridge between the visionary goals between the contextual goals that God puts on your heart and mine, it's the bridge that connects to the actual success of what you're doing for God's kingdom to his honor with your life. Let's talk about the first one, self-awareness. You have to build what I call a reflection system in your life that will help you to become self-aware of what God's doing in your life. And I think there are several indicators that will help you to do this. One of the first indicators is to look at the experiences you're going through. And by the way, I do this every day of my life. I do this every week. I do this every month. I take a retreat every year and I go through these reflective processes so that I can make sure, God, I want to know if I'm right where I need to be. Help me to be self-aware. May the Holy Spirit guide my mind, my heart. And so I start looking at my experience. What are the good experiences? What are the difficult experiences? What are the conflicting experiences? What are the relational experiences going on in my life so that I can understand why is God allowing them? Why am I going through them? What are they saying to me? so that I begin to learn and discover what's going on in my life. I have to look at the gifts that God has given me. And by the way, I believe that God can change gifts that he gives you. He may want to give you a new gift, a fresh gift, based on the context that he calls you to. And I believe there are seasons of life where God will will do that. And so you have to have a way to make sure that you are grasping the gift that God has for you. So oftentimes, maybe four or five times a year, I'll do like a gift inventory. And it kind of lets me know what are some of the gifts. Maybe God wants to change that based on my context that he's called me to. I want to make sure I know what that is. And a lot of times that will confirm maybe an experience going on in my life. It'll, it'll confirm maybe what somebody has said. It'll confirm what I sense from the Holy Spirit. But it's a way to make sure I'm self-aware. self-aware. And then passions. What are the passions God has put in your life? What are the passions he's kind of taking away? How do you assess that? And then I think a big factor that helps us to be self-aware are the people that God is putting in your life. Who's he bringing into your pathway? So for example, at the end of every day, I think, God, who did I talk to today? Who did I meet? Who did you bring to me? Who did you take me to? What did we talk about? What did we say? Is there something I need to listen to? Is there something I need to hear? Is there something I need to learn? That begins to help you be self-aware. The second discipline that I think is so important for personal discipline awareness is this whole self-management. How do you manage your holistic life, your emotional uh, element, your spiritual, your physical? How do you manage everything about your life? Think about this. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You must manage what God has given to you. And obviously, first and foremost, you must be disciplined about your faith. You were designed. You were created. You were made to have relationship with God. You cannot neglect that even when we are in ministry leadership. It is so hard sometimes to be disciplined. And here what I'm talking about is the consistency with our spirituality. 
So for example, I have to arrange my life. Certain practices that will enable God to do the transformational work that he needs to do in my heart, that he needs to do in my life. I have to think about how am I consistent in, in the spiritual disciplines, when you think about uh, confession and prayer and journaling and solitude and worship and, and serving other people and, and Bible study and memorization and meditation and living, and here's a big one, living in the constant awareness of the presence of God in you. I mean, no matter what you do throughout the day, whether it's in the morning and, and you're, you're exercising or whether it's you're going to Starbucks and getting a cup of coffee or, or whatever it is, you are constantly practicing the awareness of the presence of God. And why? So at any moment, at any time, you are ready to say yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. What God wants to say to you in that moment, in that context, how he wants you to, to lead and guide and, and speak into that situation. That's what helps you to build consistently in, your, uh, in, in the spiritual routines. And I probably shouldn't use that word routine because any, spirituality is anything but routine. When you serve God, remember this, the Holy Spirit can do anything, anytime, anywhere in a supernatural way when you are practicing the presence of God in your life. And you are ready for what he wants to do. You must discipline yourself as you pay attention to the health of your physical body. And this is important too. I remember about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago now, I went in for a routine physical. And I had my blood work the day before and, and I, I went in the next day to get the results and I go in and the doctor said, Ken, I want you to sit down because what I'm about to tell you is not good. And I'll never forget his words. He said, you have type 2 diabetes. And it's not good. He said, your blood results yesterday, your sugar was well over 300. And it should have been around 100 at the time of that test. He said, you are on a fast track to a heart attack, to a stroke. This disease can damage your nerves, can cause blindness. He said, it's not, it's not good what you've allowed to your body. In fact, I think I have a picture here. If I think I have, okay, there I am. That's, that was my Tom Selleck wannabe days. And um, that's my son. He's my oldest son now. He's, he just turned 23. I think he was about two years old, about a year and a half or somewhere in that age. But in that picture, I was 100 pounds heavier than I am today. One, no wonder I had type 2 diabetes. And I knew immediately when the doctor gave me that news and said, you are on a fast track to death. I, could not, I did not want to spend the rest of my life on medication because of my irresponsibility. Because I was not disciplined in the management of my life. And I look at that picture and I think, how did I get there? It didn't happen overnight. Day by day, the choices you make and what you do to your body. I knew I had to make changes. And so I remember immediately beginning to create not a short-term solution, but a long-term solution. 
And I started every morning to this day. I get up early in the morning. I hit the gym. I lift a few weights. I do cardio. I can tell you just two weeks ago, every six months, I go in. Two weeks ago, went in for my blood work. is as though I don't have diabetes. My, my counts are normal. And I praise God for that. But you know why? It's because I'm disciplined in my life. I take time to be, you need to be disciplined about, about your calling and about your craft, whether you work with numbers, you work with uh, uh, medicine, ministry, public policy, whatever it is God has called you, whatever, you approach your work with care and thoughtfulness and be fully present. Do you want to be the best that God has called you to be? I remember the first 10 years of my career as was mentioned, I was in television. And, and working in sports broadcasting uh, and was finishing a, a career there in Los Angeles at KNBC there. But God dramatically called me into full-time ministry. And, and my wife and I, we, we put together a team and we went out into the northwest suburbs of Los Angeles and started replanting a church that they about ready to close. And, uh, and we went in there and began to meet the needs of that community. But I'll never forget, you see, my undergraduate degree was in broadcast journalism. But now God's called me to be a pastor. I want to be the best pastor that I can be. What does a good pastor need? Well, a good pastor needs a little bit of church history. A good pastor needs some practical theology. A good pastor needs biblical studies. A, a, a good pastor needs practical leadership. So I, I want to be a great pastor. So I looked for programs that I could find that would help me to be a great pastor. I found a program at Vanguard University, one of our Assemblies of God universities there in Southern California, not too far from where we were pastoring, and, and I earned a master's in theological studies. It had the exact components that would help me to be a great pastor. And then when I went on, because I loved learning and I love all that, I, I went on to earn a doctorate in ministry only to help me to be a great pastor in context. You want to be the best that God has called you to be. Therefore, be a good steward in your life and be disciplined. Pay attention to your body, your soul, your mind, your spirit. It's all about self-management. I love, by the way, uh, this is important to understand too. All discipline are equally, disciplines are equally available to everybody. It doesn't matter what kind of title you have, doesn't matter your position, doesn't matter how big your bank account, doesn't matter the, the, the education, what you have on, in your, you know, on the wall and in, in a frame. Discipline is, is a lifestyle choice that everybody can make, no matter who you are, in coming alongside and being a good steward of that design that God has for you. I like this, and, and I close this point with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. The message translated, I love the way Eugene Peterson said it. This is Paul talking. Paul says this, I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm going to stay alert, and I'm going to stay in top condition. We must be able to be self-aware and we must manage our lives if we're going to break through to new levels of living and new levels of leadership. The second thing we need to do for breakthrough is an elevated visionary awareness. This is all about discernment thinking. This is all about discernment faith. We must see way beyond where we are now. And that's related to a spiritual discernment dimension. And it's something you cannot get from this world. 
I love Matthew chapter 16. I believe it starts in around the 13th verse. But Jesus is having a dialogue with his disciples. And I love the way when he gets together with the disciples and they have a talk. He always starts out by asking questions. Why? Because Jesus wants to listen. He wants to learn. He wants to discern so he can guide the moment. He can guide the context. He can guide the teaching. And, and, and that's what he was doing in this situation. He's got the, the disciples gathered and he, and he asks them. He says, I want to know what the people, what are they saying? Who is the Son of Man? What do the disciples do? The disciples, they respond immediately. Well, I'll tell you what they're saying, Jesus. They're, they're saying you're John the baptizer. Some are saying you're Elijah. You know, some are, are, are saying you're Jeremiah. Some of them are, are saying you're other prophets. They begin to list all of this. And then what is Jesus? Okay, okay. He wants to press a little deeper. And so what does Jesus do? He asks them now, but who do you say I am? And who jumps up right away? Simon. The, the passage says Simon jumps right in and says, I'll tell you who you are, Jesus. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And what does Jesus do? Immediately Jesus responds and he blesses Simon. He said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. And I, again, I like how the message says it. Jesus says, Simon, you didn't get this from books. You didn't get this from a bunch of teachers in your life. Simon, my father in heaven, God himself let you in on this secret of who I really am. And then what does Jesus say? And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. And then what does he proceed? He says, Simon, you will now be Peter. Peter, the rock. This rock, I will build my church. It will be a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. That's what I'm going to do in your life. That's your mission. That's your purpose. And I want you to know it well. Peter was somehow, some way, able to, in a spiritual discerning way, in a discernment thinking process, he had postured himself to receive, to discover, to discern, to learn what he needed to know in his life, what he needed to know to go forward, a knowledge that would fuel a breakthrough to living and leading in his life. The Bible says that this discerning faith is a way of seeing your context. And by the way, leadership is all about context. Understanding where God places you so that you know how to lead and guide in that process. Now, I think we'd all agree that when you look at discerning faith, it's a way of seeing things. And, and we probably would all agree that there's a lot of different ways that you can see things. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter how I see it. It doesn't matter how you see it. What really matters is how God sees it. And faith is learning to see things from God's point of view, having discernment vision. 
I love Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. This is a master verse on this whole issue. It says there in that passage, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see, so that you can see the wonderful future that God has promised to those he has called. And what that verse is talking about there is that there is an unseen realm, an unseen realm in the world that's more real than the seeing realm. But it takes discernment thinking and discernment faith. Bible says in Genesis 21, another great story about Hagar and her son Ishmael and, and, and they had been cast out by, by Abraham and of course je- jealous Sarah and, and she's sent out into the desert and she's out there in the desert with, with her son and there's no water and she's going to die and she, she separates herself and she cries out to God, God I don't want to see my son die, I don't want to see my child die and what does the scripture say? All of a sudden God opens her eyes And she sees a well of water in the middle of the desert and she is made whole and her son and she lives. Another great story, 2 Kings chapter 6. We know the story about Elisha and Gehazi and and how the enemy nation was coming in on them and and was coming against Jerusalem and coming against the Jewish people. And Gehazi, uh, his servant, was, was afraid, was terrified. In fact, the scripture says he was having a panic attack. And Elisha says, Gehazi, Gehazi, I, I, I don't want you to be this way. He says, I want you to pray this, Lord, open the eyes of my servant. And what happens all of a sudden? Gehazi's spiritual discernment, spiritual thinking is opened up and he sees a realm of angels circling the city of Jerusalem. All of a sudden, he isn't afraid anymore. I mean, you wouldn't be afraid either if you saw a realm of angels, amen? I mean, all surrounding what's going on in your life. In Genesis 13, what does God do? He takes Abraham up on a hill and he says, I want you to look up. Look up into the stars. And he says, just imagine to Abraham, discernment thinking. This is going to be, Abraham, your ancestry. These are going to be the number of people in your nation, as many as you can count even more. The Bible says that God opened his eyes. And he had a moment of spiritual discernment. And one other story. After the resurrection, the Bible tells us that two disciples are walking down the street and they're all upset and they're all discouraged because Christ had been crucified and, and, and their hopes have been crushed and their dreams have been dashed and they're in despair and they're walking down the street but all of a sudden, who shows up? Jesus comes on, along right beside them and starts walking with him. They don't recognize who he is but they're having a great conversation. In fact, they had such a great conversation, the Bible tells us that they invite, they invite Jesus to come, come back with them and, and, and sit down and have a meal with them. So, so they get together, they can, and they still don't recognize him. They sit down, they start having the meal. But right before the meal, it says, when he blessed the meal, God opened their eyes and all of a sudden realized Jesus was right there with them. Friends, that's what God wants to do in your discernment thinking. That's what God wants to do in your discernment faith. He wants to open your eyes when you say, oh, Jesus, he's right here with me. Oh, the angels are circling around me. Oh, God has a much bigger plan, a mightier plan for my life, for my church, for my leadership, for my context, and on and on and on. That's what discerning faith can do in our hearts and lives. I tell you, stewardship is so important. 
This faith, this kind of faith will elevate your visionary awareness. It will allow you to see the promises of God and what he has for you. It allow you to focus on the next step of your leadership. And I can tell you this, when your vision is clear, when our vision is clear, choices become simple in our life and in our leadership. And finally, finally, we have to elevate our delegation awareness. And this is all about strategic empowerment. Uh, This is all about, and I think when you talk about strategic empowerment, I think you're talking about organizational systems. You're talking about systems thinking. This is all about how to organize your systems to not only sustain growth, but propel into new seasons of Christ-centered, spirit-empowered innovation, rejuvenation, whatever it is that God's calling you. You see, breaking through to the next level requires that we always creatively examine the way that we accomplish our goals and ask ourselves, can we handle more? Are there better ways of doing our job? Are there ways that will free up our time? Are there ways that will free up our resources, allowing us to do more for the kingdom of God for such a context as this? I think a great example of this is in Exodus chapter 18 with Jethro. Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses. Now, Jethro was a systems thinker. How do we know that he was a systems thinker? Because he recognized the way, the system that, that Israel had, that Moses had to judge the people was killing Moses. It, it was burning Moses out. And, 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 and Jethro says, what you're doing, Moses, is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourself out. And the work is too heavy for you and you can't handle it. We have to change the system And what did Jethro do? He proposed a new system for governing the people of Israel. And it elevated Moses' capacity to do more for the people of God. I can tell you at Southeastern University, we operate on six frameworks. These six frameworks help us to make every single decision that we face at our university. And, and, and we have key. One of the frameworks is our visionary framework. We have three components to that visionary. We have our, 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 our uh, component that helps us to lead change. Here's how we will lead change. First and foremost, we must be committed to the call. Every person who comes to Southeastern and works, whether you work in the gardens or whether you work uh, as a professor or whether you work as a staff or whether you serve in the leadership team, it doesn't matter. You are called by God. And when you recognize that you are called by God, you are a part of the mission and you will change that place to God's glory. It's a systems thing. It's a framework. We believe in in the principle of consecration and we are always consecrating who we are and our work to what God wants to accomplish. Another transforming principle in that framework. We believe in the Collins principle, which means first-rate people hire first-rate people, second-rate people hire third-rate people. You understand what it takes to lead and guide that organization. It's a system. We have another framework. It's our functional framework. Every decision goes through that function. If it doesn't produce streams of enrollment, if it doesn't produce streams of revenue, if it's not affordable, if it's not accessible, we don't do it. We don't make the decision. It's a system. It's, it's a framework that helps us to know how to navigate 
what God has set before us, the responsibility that he's given us. I encourage you, challenge you, when you leave this conference, as you go back even tonight uh, and go back and, and begin to reflect at the end of this day with all the wonderful teaching that God has given to you and, and the Holy Spirit begins to, I want you to identify maybe in, in your ministry, in your calling, in, in your vocation, whatever you're doing, identify what are some of the broken systems? What can we do, God, to replace them with new processes? Remember what got you here will not get you there. Growth is not sustainable if you do not develop your systems. It, in fact, it becomes poor stewardship of what God has entrusted to you. So examine the systems that you have in place. Identify what, what could be improved. Offer viable solutions. See about the tremendous growth. And let me say this, one of the greatest systems in, in our lives is our community. That's the greatest system that God, ultimately your community is your greatest asset. And by the way, leaders, we don't lead assets. We lead people. We lead a community and we need each other. None of us can handle the call of God in isolation. He called us in the midst of people to come alongside, to encourage, to support, to serve the people surround you. Raise your potential or they're gonna hold you back. That's why Paul emphasized over and over in 1 Corinthians 15, what did he talk about? He talked about the kind of people you need to be around. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You begin to build and grow and develop the people around you. You want to reach the next level? Start hanging around the people who are at that next level and allow them to pour into your life. Be mentors in your life. If you're following God, you'll find yourself in places you've never been before. And I'll tell you this, the community you place yourself will either hold you back or propel you forward. Choose voices that will speak life and push you forward. Avoid the voices that will pull you down. Mentorship is key. And by the way, the key to elevating our community is through unity, not uniformity. Unity and not uniformity. Each one of us has a divine design that, that God has given to all of us and it integrates us together into community to bring out the organization to a whole new level of what God wants to accomplish in that context. So hear me today, friends. And what a privilege to be able to spend time with you. I believe everyone here is at, at the edge of another incredible, the time is now for God to use you in an incredible, in an amazing, and in a significant way. You're in a new and fresh season in your life. Remember this, the same God who has led you this far is still with you, but he's begging you to go to a new level in your life and in your leadership. It's all about stewardship. Stewardship in the call that he's placed. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for checking out today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Century underscore Leader. You can also check out Century Leadership on Facebook, as well as visiting our website, CenturyLeadership.com for more details. And that's it for today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Jordan Matthew Ward. It has been a pleasure hanging out with you today. And until next time, 
Peace out.